0: Welcome to Victory Christian Center. You're about to hear from our senior pastor, Pastor Stefan Schlugel, as he brings a message on a Sunday service. And uh, the title of this morning's message is Using Our God-Given Authority for Finance. Using Our God-Given Authority for Finance. And again, the subtitle is uh, Principles of Prosperity and... um, It also says here what to do after you sow a financial seed. So if you haven't got an outline in your hand, raise up your hand. Somebody will get you one. I was just reminded uh, last week that uh, when I spoke two sessions about, you know, sow a need to meet your need, that I had indicated that I was going to uh, talk about what to do from the time that you sow your seed to the time that the harvest comes in. What do you do in the middle of all of that? So I better make my work good because I was being reminded. We had a couple of people say, we well, haven't talked about this yet. So we will talk about that today, um, probably in the latter half of the uh, of the message and trust that that will help you to uh, lay a hold of some things. If these teachings are new to you, uh, I'd encourage you to keep an open mind. Um, And, uh, you know, sometimes things have been shut down before it had an opportunity to stand, particularly when it comes around the area of money and finance uh, in God's kingdom. And so, you know, during our 40-day campaign, we learned about the authority of the believer. um, And we have learned that uh, and we've been reminded of that Jesus Christ has delegated authority to us the body of Christ, and we can now rule and reign in life through Jesus Christ. God wants us to rule and reign. Um, so, in other words, we are not under the circumstances; we create the circumstances. We are in charge. Bible says, "The righteous shall decree a thing, and it shall be established unto them." I'm certainly not planning to, uh, to you know, to reteach all the s- seven, eight messages that we've already had. But I'd encourage you to go back if you missed those sessions, because this is something that God is speaking to us about as a house. Uh, uh, We believe that God wants the whole church in New Zealand to understand these truths uh, because the body of Christ has been way too passive Uh, over the last few years. That's how we got to where we are today in our nation with everything that's gone down. It's people, Christians are just hanging back and just letting things happen. But friends, we are in charge, all right? We are the authority in the earth. Christ is the head of the church. He's in heaven, but we are the body of Christ in the earth. And so here in Romans, uh, just to kind of lay a platform, Romans chapter five, verse 17, it says, it is true that through the sin of one man, death began to rule because of that one man. But how much greater is the result of what was done by one man, Jesus Christ. All who receive God's abundant grace and are put freely right with him will rule in life through Christ. All who receive abundance of grace. If you're born again, you have received the abundance of grace. It says those who are freely put right with him. uh, One translation says those who have received the gift of righteousness shall rule and reign in life through Jesus Christ. And that's speaking about the body of Christ. That's speaking about believers. It's speaking about you and me. And you know our God-given authority isn't limited to exercising dominion over Satan and demon spirits or over sickness and disease. It certainly includes all of that, but it is not limited to that. We should really exercise dominion over our finances. All right, now that's a a novel thought, isn't it? Exercising dominion over our finances, over our money. You know, we're not the servants of money, but instead our money is to serve us. Money is a tool. It is not a master. He wants to be master, but God wants us to be the master over the money, okay? Jesus says that you cannot serve two masters. And he's talked about God and and mammon or God and money. He says, you can't serve the both of them. It's got to be one or the other. All right. So we're not servants of money, but money is to serve us. It is a tool. It is a servant to us. And uh, we need to get that in proper perspective. And uh, the first point in your outline, uh, point number one, it says, it is God's will that all of his people will prosper. Uh, this is something that all of us need to lay a hold of. Now, now, I know that this is contrary to how some people have been taught, how some people have heard. And, you know, tragically, there's been a gospel of poverty that's been preached uh, in, you know, in parts of the uh, body of Christ across you know, New Zealand and around the world. And that's not a gospel at all because the word gospel is good news. <laughs> all right. And so uh, let me say that prosperity is God's will uh, for every believer. And here in 3 John verse 2, it says, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in health just as your soul prospers. Here is Apostle John, who was with Jesus, who was in the inner circle with Jesus, one of three guys that was closest to Jesus. All right? And he's praying for these guys. And in fact, he says in one translation, he says, I wish above all things. It's got to be pretty important if he says, Abish above all things. There's a lot of important things, but he says, Abish above all things that you will prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And the sense in there is that he's speaking to them and uh, he's talking about that the prosperity that's in your soul should flow into every area of our lives, including the area of our finances. That's why the preaching of the gospel is one of the things that causes our soul to prosper, causes our, on, uh, the, the immaterial part of us, the eternal part of us, it causes that to sort of prosper and then God wants that prosperity, not just to be locked up within the realm of the spirit and within our soul, but he wants it to flow out into our soul, into our body, into our lives, into our finances, into our families, into every area of our lives. And as we Get more and more hold of this, that God does not want it to be restricted to the body of Christ, but God wants it to flow out into our nation. We are carriers of the presence of God. You know, there's an interesting scripture there where the Bible says, you know, it's digressing slightly, but it says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It's wonderful when we have peace in our lives and peace in our homes, but God wants us to, to, as it were, release the peace of God into our environment, into our nation, and into various places and spaces. Isaiah chapter 48, verse 17 and 18, and these are all uh, well-known scriptures to some of us. We have lived in those scriptures, and we have laid a hold of them, and we have, as it were, made them work for us. It says, "Thus says Yahweh, your redeemer, the holy One of Israel. I am Yahweh, your God, who teaches you to profit." Friends, uh, I should say I say this from time to time, but the word "profit" is not a dirty word. It's a good word. For those of you that are in business, you know that by the time you have bought and sold, you've provided the service, you have traded, and so forth. And by the time you have you've paid all the bills, you've paid all your overheads, you paid your staff if you have staff, you paid yourself, and then hopefully there's something left afterwards, and that's called profit. All right. And and God says, I will teach you to profit. I'll teach you to increase. I will teach you to get ahead in life. I will teach you to go up in the world. If we can use those expressions uh, and lead you in the way that you should go. All that you had listened attentively to my commandments. This is God speaking. All that you had listened. All right. And then your prosperity would have been like a river and your righteousness Like the waves of the sea. This is God Almighty speaking. If you had to listen to my word. Not listen to tradition. Not listen to the devil. I know the devil has lied for years about money. uh, You know, in releasing his lies into the church to keep the church poor. And therefore, uh, in many respects, very ineffective. People have bought into into a poverty gospel. And yet that is not God's will. He says, uh, I want to teach you to profit. He says, I will lead you in the way that you should go. God knows where the profit is. God knows the methods, the principles that we need to employ in our lives to lead us to our, as the Bible says, to lead us to our wealthy mountain. (laughs) And uh, all that you had listened, um, then your prosperity would have been like a river. Notice it says river. It doesn't say a little trickle. As many people are just, all we want is a little trickle. You know, we're just one enough for me, my wife, and our two kids. You know, us four and no more. But you know that selfish thinking because God wants us to look beyond ourselves. God says to Abraham, Abraham, he says, I will, I will bless you and you will be a blessing to all the nations in the world. That together we can be a blessing to our nation and to the nations of the world. It's amazing what we can do as the body of Christ. If the money is there, God has intended for us to be there. But we need to walk by faith. We need to work with God. And God wants us to do that. Uh, He wants to teach us to profit financially and lead us in the way that we are to go. Once again, if you had listened to my commandments... Your prosperity would flow like a river. That's what God wants. And really, we, we ought to just embrace that, understand it or not. Uh, and, and I know it goes contrary to a lot of thinking. It, it goes contrary to, as I say, I've said this before, but I was brought up in a religious setting where poverty was considered a virtue. But there is no virtue in poverty. It's not wrong to be poor, but it is wrong to preach a poverty gospel and to kind of make out that this is God's will. It is not. All right. God's will is prosperity. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. And you shall remember, the Lord your God, that it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which is swore to your fathers as it is this day. These are powerful verses, friends. He's speaking about the covenant. In this instance, it was a covenant that he had with the Jewish people. But, you know, the Bible tells us that we, as the New Testament believers, we have a better covenant established on better promises. So if God had taken prosperity out of the new covenant when it was in the old covenant, he couldn't call it a better covenant. It's like, uh, it's, uh, like you know, as it were, to, to kind of, play around with words and this is not what the bible says but you know jesus saying you all come to me and i will make you poor well that's not good news all right that's not good news one of the best news for a poor person is that god's going to help you to pay your bills god's going to help you to put food on the table god's going to help you to put a roof over your head god's going to help you hallelujah and once you helped then you can help somebody else. All right, so we look beyond ourselves. So God gives us the power to get wealth. He wants to establish or confirm his covenant with us. You see, God's covenant is a, with us is a covenant of prosperity amongst other things. It is also a covenant of healing, covenant of salvation. It is all of these things, but it, it definitely includes prosperity. It is not a covenant of poverty Galatians 3.13, uh, 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 chapter 3, verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Powerful scripture. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the Lord. That the blessing of Abraham, the blessing that God has promised and conferred upon Abraham, it might come upon you and me. Most of us, we are Gentile believers. We're not from Jewish background uh, uh, and so forth. We are Gentile believers. God did not just want his blessing to be contained within the Jewish nation, he wanted it to spill out into the nations of the world. We are redeemed from the curse of the law. What's the curse of the law? Well, if we summarize it, throw it all into a pot and reduce it right down to its very essence, you come up with three things. Number one, poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. That's kind of, you put it down in a nutshell. And it is described very, very much in detail in Deuteronomy chapter 28 from verse 15 onwards. Uh, the first 14 verses speak all about the blessing, but the last however many verses from 15 through to verse 68, uh, it speaks about the curses. And one of those things is poverty that you're going to sow, you're not going to reap. You're going you're to lose what you have. Everything will go wrong with you. There will be accidents, calamities, and so forth. There will be sickness, uh, uh, and there will be spiritual death. But Christ has redeemed us from all of that. He's redeemed us. And the blessing of Abraham uh, that he wants to come upon the Gentiles. And the way that he comes on the Gentiles primarily is the Gentiles getting saved so that they can access that covenant. What does a blessing of Abraham mean to include? Well, it means righteousness by faith instead of righteousness by works. The Bible says that Abraham believed God. And it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Abraham was a faith man. All right. And uh, it also means fruitfulness and multiplication of descendants. God says to Abraham, Abraham, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to m- m- multiply you. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. That many. And that was one of the blessings. And then finally, God says, I'll give you all this land. You will inherit land. And when you have land, that's, you, that's the prosperity. All right. That's where the that's where the wealth is. And God says, Lift up your eyes, Abraham. Look north, south, east, and west. All this land I'll give to you and to your descendants. God says, Arise, walk through the land. Every place where the soul of your footsteps is the land that I'm giving to you and to your descendants. Now that's wealth. Let me talk about operating the principles of seed time and harvest. We've touched on that a couple of weeks ago. We, a few weeks ago, we received a special offering towards our sound system, and praise God for that. I uh, uh, Really commend you for your generosity. Uh, we have placed the order, and it's on its way. Uh, we will expect to hear some specifics pretty soon. Um, uh, But the fund is still open. If anybody has not had an opportunity to contribute towards it, you can still do so right now and sow a financial seed. But here in Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, and this is something that we looked at a couple of weeks ago. This is a principle uh, here that God wants us to operate. It says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. You see, God promised to Noah that after he came out of the... Out of the ark after the flood, God promised him that while the earth remains, there will be opportunity to sow seed and to reap a harvest. Seed, time, and harvest. And we talked about the sequence of it. There's time for seed, then there is time, and then there is the harvest. It's not seed time and, and harvest immediately, there is seed, time, and harvest. And God multiplies the seed during the time segment of this process. All right. And this is why we want to talk about what do I do during the time segment when I've sown my seed and when will I see my harvest? What will I do during that time? We want to talk about that a little bit with the remaining time. And again, 2 Corinthians chapter nine, these are scriptures that we've already visited before. Uh, Chapter nine, verse six and verse 10, Paul speaking to the Corinthian believers about an offering that they were to prepare and get ready. And he sent some of his friends, some of his minister friends uh, ahead and to get them ready, he says, because when I come, I don't want the offering being received. I want it all done and dusted by the time I get there so that there's no flurry and no rush and no hurry. And then he says to them, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. He's reminding them of an agricultural principle that that is true in in the area of agriculture, when you sow a few seeds, you get a, a small harvest, you sow a lot of seed, you get a, a, a big harvest, and then he's reminding them in the setting of sowing a financial seed, and uh, God wants us to have a harvest uh, for the seed that we have sown, and uh, Pastor Vanessa and I, when we learned those principles, uh, you know, decades ago now, we we sow seeds all the time. We're not just sowing one single seed and then we're waiting, like we put seeds out there all the time so that there's a constant harvest coming in, so that you always got seed out there because it's seed time and harvest. I don't think God wants us to sit back passively and say, Well, you know, God knows what I need. God says, I need you to work with me. Give me a seed. Give me something that I can multiply. All right, give me something. Like, you know, the woman uh, uh, that, you know, the, the widow with her son. What do you have in your house? The prophet said to you, what do you have in your house? Give me, give me something that God can touch. And that's the concept. That's the principle. So what do I do after I've sown my financial seed? And this is not just a one office visit. This is a lifestyle. And this is not so much a formula, but these are some truths that we have learned uh, that we would encourage you in. Some of you understand that very well. You've been in this house for many years. As I said, we have preached prosperity unashamedly. Um, And and we're never embarrassed to talk about money because money is a big thing. All right. People go and work 40 hours plus for money. So money is a big thing. And God wants us to understand money. So what do I do? Well, after I've sown a financial seed, well, letter A, and it's in your outline, expect a harvest. Expect a harvest. Don't be, you know, don't try to say, oh, you know, oh, we don't want anything back. You know, there's, there is a kind of a, a, a sense of a false humility, uh, like, oh, we don't want anything back, but that's unscriptural. There's not a single farmer in their right mind that would chuck a lot of seed out there into his field and then go somewhere else and say, okay, family, it's time to move on. You know, we need to move to new grounds. We need to forget about all. No, he will stick around until harvest time, and he expects a harvest. All right, so expect a harvest. Galatians 6, verse 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Underline the word whatever. If you've got a pen in your hand, whatever. This is a universal principle. You know, whatever we put out there, it'll come back on us. If we put bad stuff out there, it comes back on us. If we're critical of people, they will be critical of, of us. If we judge them, they will judge us. Uh, if we are stingy, people will be stingy to us. If we are generous to people, they will be generous to us. And there's a universal principle there. He says, whatever you sow, that you will also reap. And that whatever includes money. You sow money, you will reap money. Verse 9, Galatians 6 and let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not lose heart. So put your seed out there and don't lose heart. And don't say, oh, it's gone. That's the last of it that we will ever see. All right? Because that's not how it works. It's now the time segment. Remember, the seed is already out there. The harvest hasn't quite manifest, but it's now the time segment. God is now working with your seed out there. He's in the process of multiplying it. Okay. <laughs> we had uh, we had uh, in one area in, in one of our gardens, Vanessa. It found some plant there, and it looked like, gosh, that looks like uh, that looks like potato. And uh, somebody must have thrown out some potato shavings into that section there, and it wasn't really, you know, weeded or anything. And the next minute she digs it over, and you know, for all we know, there might have been one or two potatoes thrown out there. And the next minute we got, you know, a harvest of potatoes there. I mean, not mountains and mountains of it, but uh, I mean, I grew up on a farm. We put uh, potatoes into the furrow uh, that my father dug up, and and we placed them about that far apart, one here one here and then he came back over and folded the earth back over again and then, then we knew the seed was in the ground and we knew a harvest was coming alright <laughs> um, do not grow weary in supporting the work of the Lord do not grow weary in your tithes and offerings do not grow weary for in due season we will reap if we do not faint, do not faint encourage yourself Okay, God is for you. God wants prosperity more for you than more than what you wanted for yourself. Let it be. Praise God continually and thank Him for your financial harvest. This is a big thing. What do I do? Praise God. Thank you, Lord. That you're, you're the supplier of my needs. Learn the language. Learn the terminology. Lord, you're Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, my provider, and your provision is seen in my life. Do not allow yourself to get discouraged in the process. Keep your faith strong by praising God continually. Praising God is a lifestyle, not just a couple of times during the week. It's a lifestyle. Praise God, praise God. You know, like uh, some of us have learned to, to praise God out aloud, and we certainly need to do that. But sometimes when it's time to be quiet and, you know, before we're going to sleep, praise God. Thank you, Lord. You're so good to me. We're just, we're just meditating on praising God. And even on the in, inward parts of us, we praise God in our thoughts, in our mind, in our contemplation. But definitely out aloud. God wants to hear our voice. <laughs> Hallelujah. Romans chapter 4, verse 20, speaks about Abraham. And I was re-looking it over there, and I thought, gosh, we've got to go back to all of that. This is just fantastic truths. Abraham became one of the wealthiest men on the face of the earth in his time. Amazing. But he didn't have a son. So God prom- God, had already promised him descendants. It's the dust of the sea is as many as the stars in the sky. But there was still no son. And so it says here that Abraham, Romans four twenty, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. What a powerful scripture! How did he get strong in faith? He kept praising God. Thank you, Lord, for my son. Thank you, Lord, that I'm Abraham, the father of many nations. Thank you, Lord, that I'm married to Sarah, the princess, the mother. And yet there's still no child. But thank you, God, that I'm Abraham, the father of many nations. And he just kept on, kept on praising God, and he grew strong in faith. And then he didn't waver. He didn't oscillate. Oh, God wants me to have a son. Oh, maybe not. Uh, oh, God wants me to prosper. Oh, maybe not. He didn't oscillate. He got into faith position and he wasn't going to be talked out of it. People would have said, Abraham, what's wrong with you? Your name's Abraham. You're not Abraham. No, God changed my name. I'm the father of many nations. Oh, Abraham, you haven't even got any kids. You can't call yourself Abraham. You, you're lying. You're lying by saying you're the father of many nations because that's what the name means. He says, no, no, no. I'm the father of many nations. God spoken to me. He became fully convinced. And I remember the time frame when I shifted from a poverty mentality Because that's what I was brought up in. To suddenly, oh my goodness. It's like shifting into a prosperity mentality. I remember the time. It was was just a shift that took place. It was like the prosperity took a hold in my soul. And when it did, it started to trickle through into the outside. And the more I caused my soul to prosper, to get into the Word, to listen to these messages. You know, we used to buy tapes when there was tapes. Now everything's online, you know, it went from tapes to CDs and, and everything else. We used to listen to it, listen to it over and over and over until we became fully convinced that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. Even before Isaac's conception and birth, Abraham was fully convinced that God would make good his promise. Point number C. Find Satan and his demons in Jesus' name and command them to get your hands off of your harvest. We're now definitely talking about taking authority in this life. We're not just taking authority over, we're taking authority in life in, in a general sense. And once we walk in authority, there's no more room for begging. There's no more room for whining. There's certain certain language we no longer use. People say, "Oh, you know, I don't need money, and what, you know, we don't have any. Uh, uh, I can't afford that. I don't have the money." Well, you just put the money in charge. You're in charge. We used to say. We used to say, "I choose not to buy that item right now." because that puts me in charge. Now, at the time, we didn't have the money, but rather than saying, I don't have the money, I said, no, I choose not to buy that right now. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I remember when, one day back in Bible college days, um, Vanessa and I was a young married couple. We had three children. The fourth one born during our days in Bible college. Um... And uh, money was a bit tight. The income that we were on at the time, we were on a good journey. We were going somewhere. But at that stage, the breakthrough hadn't quite come um, to the extent that it, it did come later on. And uh, and I needed a particular item. And I didn't want to buy it. Um, and so I sold a seed because at that stage, we had already learned that we can sow a seed. And... Um, and so I sold the seed, and then I did what they taught me to do, thank God for the harvest, um, bind the devil, command him to get his hands off of your harvest. And, and you know, I sold a particular seed. It was an item uh, um, that I gave away, and I really believed God that uh, there was going to be, um, you know, a harvest of exactly what I needed. And uh, one day I came to church, um, and again, we were in Bible college. We were in church on Sunday. We were in church Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, because that's what you do when you go to Bible college full time. And uh, we had our children looked after, so we paid, you know, out of out of the out of the. Um, the money that we earned, the first thing was the tithe went out. That's always the first thing. The first and the best, the tithe goes out to the Lord. Uh, then, you know, we paid bills and we, we paid our, our child care um, uh, fees because we had our children looked after. That, that didn't come for free. And, uh, and we paid our Bible college fees and, uh, and we paid everything. And, and, and you see, when you're in charge of money, you organize your money rather than put money in charge of you. You say, Money? 10%, you go over here. You go into the church because you are the tithe. You, you belong to in, into this area. And then you take your money and say, you, you, uh, this money, you're, you're the rent money. You're the mortgage money. You, you pay for that. And then money, you pay for this. You see, you put, you're in charge of your money rather than the money being in charge of you. All right, so that's how you handle it. So anyway, I came to church one day and, Somebody came over and said, look, uh, so-and-so it was a, another chap in our uh, Bible college at the time. Look, he says, he's gone away for a couple of weeks, but he's put something aside for you over there. It's under the table over there. And I says, oh, yeah, okay. So I ran over there, and there was a couple of items sitting there. One of them was an item that uh, I had prayed for, and, and here it is. Uh, and then there was a couple of other things there that uh, were useful, not exactly what I prayed for. I thought, well, that's useful. When, he, when I looked at the item that I prayed for, um, I sort of looked at it and thought, well, it will do. It it, it will do. It's adequate, but it's actually not the quality that I had in mind. Now, we need to be very careful at this point because people say, oh, gosh, that's a bit proud. We say, no, I know what my faith was out for. All right. I believe God wants us to have the good stuff. Okay. So, anyway, turns out that uh, I was grateful anyway, but I says, no, Lord. This is an interim thing. This is interim. That will just get me by until the, the deal arrives that i really <laughs> extended my faith for. And uh, the interesting thing was that uh, I had an opportunity to travel overseas. Uh, uh, and on my way through a particular city, uh, I went through a store and I came across the very item that I that I want, another oh, gosh, here it is, you know. It's like rather than plastic or PVC, it's leather, you know, like the particular item that I was believing God for, and here it is. And, uh, and, and God had put the money to my hand, so I was able in this instance to buy uh, this thing and, and, and to take it away. And sometimes there is like a, a sort of an interim thing, but don't, don't, don't sort of, uh, uh, what's the word? Don't leave yourself short. Uh, just keep your faith out there. You know, we had someone in this church that was uh, believing God for a promotion, and uh, and they had a particular position in mind within the organization that they were working for. It was sort of a, a, a step, several steps up, and then the position that was offered to them was a couple of notches down, but better to where they were before. And I said, no, no, this is not what we're doing. This is not what I was believing God for. That's my my, my harvest is still on the way. This is, I'm not accepting that. Because once I, I get in then you accept it then you know then once that's it for you. But you see, we're trusting God and God knows. God knows how to uh, you know he says I'll make you the head and not the tail, to be above only and not beneath. God wants to elevate his people economically. God wants to bring people into leadership roles and positions, into influential roles so that we can get the whole value system them out into the world rather than crooks and and liars and cheats and frauds being in leadership god wants his people to go into leadership so anyway praise god i did get my harvest but it took a little, it didn't take any wrangling but i just had to work this out within myself as of god i'm not ungrateful here i'm very grateful for this sort of interim item but i thank you lord that there's still something on the way and um And once you get to that place, uh, you don't feel embarrassed because we're not beggars. And we call ourselves servants of the Most High God, and that we are. But actually, we are sons. We're not servants. We are sons of the Most High God. It doesn't seem right that God in heaven says the cattle on a thousand hills belongs to me. All the silver, all the gold is mine. God paves the streets in heaven with gold. And God's people are running around with shabby stuff and low-grade bits and pieces. It just doesn't somehow seem right. So God releases the truth of his word into our lives. We hear these messages, and though it might be a bit challenging in the beginning, but you know, we don't, you know, it's like, you know, when you feed a baby, you know, baby easily, uh, little babies, you know, mashed up pumpkin, you know, that will do. But when you introduce some solid bits, you know, something a bit more substantial, you know, initially, You know, they might spit it out, but eventually they get used to it because they need that to grow up. And, and God wants us to go beyond babyhood. And he does not want us to be kept captive by religion. Jesus says, it is for freedom that I've set you free. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. I was bound by religiousness, by poverty thinking. And uh, I've shifted a little bit over the years. <laughs> some people get a bit scared by that, but I'm not scared anymore. As I said, that was the thing, you know, fear. Oh, oh what if this is wrong? What if, what if I'm going to go off the rails if I start to prosper? Well, some people might, but uh, I have met some of the most humble people who are very wealthy though I've met some proud ones too. But humility is not to do with poverty or prosperity because I've met some poverty-stricken people, some of them as proud as they come, and I've met them over here as well. And what's interesting is I've I've met people that have come into the house completely poverty-stricken And then through the teaching and the preaching of the word and the encouragement that we give and the principles that we teach that they employ, and next minute they go up in the world. And next minute things, they are able to pay their bills. And next minute everything, like, wow, this is wonderful. This is awesome. And I've seen some of them get proud. But it wasn't the prosperity that made them proud. It was the lack of character. Because when you begin to prosper, you need character so you can hold this thing together. All right. Bind Satan and his demons in Jesus' name and command them to get their hands off of your harvest. John 10, verse 10. Jesus says, The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. You see, Satan is the thief. He wants to steal your money. He wants to lock down your harvest so it doesn't come to you. He wants to steal your job, your future. But Jesus says, I have come that you might have abundance. All right? Jesus wants us in abundance. And uh, so we bind the devil and get him to get his hands off of our stuff. I say, devil, I bind you every demon spirit that is trying to thief from me or steal from me. I render you powerless and useless and ineffective. Everything that is rightfully mine command you to take your hands off of it. Everything that's mine right now, that I'm holding in my hands and all the harvests that have yet to manifest, I command you to release it now in Jesus name. See, the devil works in the financial world, and somehow uh, has made some people extremely rich, and they want to lead everybody else into bondage. There's an unequal distribution. Now, some people are very wealthy because they just understand how to work the principles. But others got wealthy by hook and by crook and, and so forth. And yet God wants his people to prosper. See, there's a transfer of wealth coming. It's just we were just with some of our friends uh, and some of the stuff that we have known and that we have heard and some of the stuff that we have preached. We've yet to see the fullness of it. So our sense is that Jesus can't immediately just come, even though he wants to come, and, and we are very close, but there is a transfer of wealth from the hands of the wicked into the hands of the just. There's more gospel work to be funded. There's more work to be done in this area. And God wants to get the, the frame of mind of his people into a place where they can receive it. Like, "Oh, We don't want that money, you know, just get away. I said, money, come to me. I'm ready for you. I'm ready See, when money comes, the first thing is the tithe goes into the house. People say it's, it's money that's the root of all evil, but that's not true. It is the love of money that's the root of all evil. It's the love of, not, not the money itself. And to keep the love of money away from me, I just honor God with the tithe. That's the first thing. And you know that's when you're on a, on a sort of a set level of income, but when m- most people are at it, it is a set amount, but when you begin to prosper... And suddenly like, wow, that tithe, that is a lot of money. I said, get it out of here and put it into God's house. That's where it belongs. Money, go there. You're the tithe, and you go here, and you go there. You start to command your money and organize it in the way that God has intended for us to organize it. And when you've done that, you send forth the angels of God to bring your harvest to you. We're not hearing enough about angels. And yet they're there. Angels are here right now. Angels are sitting here, standing here wherever they are. They're listening to the preaching of the word. They get more excited about what they're hearing than what some of you are. But that's okay. That's okay. I know you're excited. You're just not showing it. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14. Are not the angels or ministering spirits? In brackets, servants. Send out in the service of God for the assistance of those who are to inherit salvation. Who are those who inherit salvation? That's us. The angels have been sent out to assist you and actually to serve you. And they're not just there to protect us. They're there to do many, many other things. Here in Psalm 103, verse 20, it says, Bless the Lord, you his angel, who excel in strength who do his word. What do the angels do? They do what the word of God says. And that's why I speak the word of God a lot. Because I've got angels around me, and when they hear the word, it activates the angels. And one translation, it says uh, they excel in strength and they obey God's word. It doesn't say they obey God, even though they obey God, but they obey his word. So for the angels, whether God speaks the word or whether you and I speak God's word, somebody needs to speak the word. And it releases the angels of God into our lives. They're heeding the voice of his word. And then it says, Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. The angels do God's pleasure. And of course, God's pleasure has been revealed through the written word of God. And here in Psalm 35, and this is another scripture that we use to uh, meditate in and confess and declare just to get our minds renewed and to move us from poverty into prosperity. It says, let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. God has pleasure in your prosperity. God is pleasure. God is no pleasure in poverty. Jesus died on the cross to redeem us from poverty, amongst other things. And a couple more points, and then we'll wind down. Letter E, it says, Don't ask God for money. Instead, thank him that he's already supplying your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Don't ask God for money. Somebody was praying, asking God for money. In fact, shortly I want to have I've a quote here of Kenneth Hagens, where you know he used to teach us a lot about these things. And God says, "I, don't ask me for money. I'm, God God's in heaven. He says, "I have no money up here. Money's already in the earth. M- money is already there. Don't ask me for it. Just receive it." All right? So we don't ask God for money. We thank him that he's already supplying our need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. If you've sown your seed, God's already multiplying it as we speak. God's already working in that area in that arena and he wants you to learn how to receive your harvest. We, we learn how to sow the seed we learn what to do in the time and then he wants to teach us on how to re- how to receive harvests and not be embarrassed. In the slightest. When Vanessa and I moved from where we were, first house that we bought, and then we moved up the hill, and oh, quite a lovely home there. And then we learned, uh, is it Psalm 89 that speaks about the God brings us to our wealthy mountain? Is that Psalm? It is there. And anyway, we were just like, wow, God. You know, I remember the first. The first night when we sat in bed looking out over our out through our window, looking looking out over the hot valley here, and we turned the lights off and we didn't have curtains in those days, but that was fine. We got curtains now, but we get we at the house and we're just looking out and say, Wow God, look at that, look, look at all of them lights down in the city and and we say, Thank you, God, you brought us to our wealthy mountain. And then it was almost like, Oh, 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 but what if we get Church members visiting us and they don't live in a nice house like we do. Are we supposed to be embarrassed? No. No, we're just, we're actually quite content. We say, you know, see, if if, if leaders are trying to lead somebody into something that they're not walking in themselves, it's a bit difficult. So we're just trying to inspire you. God is much more for every single one of us. We haven't even hardly got started. Wait until the transfer of wealth comes and then we will just employ 15 missionaries and send them out there uh, into our nation. And then we send a few more overseas and then we just, you know, we just buy and we we, we help churches that are meeting in school halls and in community halls. That's where we started. That's where we started. And it's like, look back over our 30-odd year history and say, wow, God, look what you've done. It wasn't our smarts that God is here. It, it was the grace of God and the people's faithfulness in tithes and in offerings. And next minute, we're sitting on a few million dollars of assets. Help do So that we can do what God wants us to do. It's not about buildings. And it's not about money. It's about God's people and about the body of Christ and preaching the gospel. And being able to. Put our messages online and we haven't even got started with that. We've got multiple things that we're doing that are very exportable. Recording our courses and making those available. We've got friends that are like waiting. to say, look, tell us when it's ready. We want to get our hands on. We want to promote that uh, uh, out in places where they haven't got some of these things. And, and, yeah, so don't ask God for money. Instead, thank him that he's already supplying your need. One of the prayer. Wording That we use a lot Rather than say God Oh God give us money We say thank you Lord That you're already supplying out Thank you God Thank you Father That Lord the windows of heaven are opened And the blessings are being poured out Because you see we are tithers Vanessa and I have never missed a single tithe never in, never in any given week or fortnight However the pay was coming In fact one time we were paid On a monthly basis And then you've got to really watch it uh, <laughs> You've got to put that tithe out there fairly quickly uh, Because your money's got to last a whole month you know, uh, and and, and uh, you know, <laughs> Malachi tells us, God says, if you honor me, with, honor me with your tithe and with your offering, God says, I will open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Why would I ask God for money? So He's already said He's pouring out. We've already sold now, seed. Why would I say, God give me some money when he tells us in Philippians chapter four verse nineteen, where Paul says, My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. It's already happening as we speak. As we pointed out, the Philippian church, they were only from a rich church. They had already given the offering to Paul so he was able to carry on preaching the gospel. And Paul says in response to that, my God shall supply your needs. You you have sown a seed into the ministry and into the preaching of the gospel. Now my God shall supply your needs in your houses. (laughs) Kenneth Hagin tells the story how... um, uh, is a true prophet of God. Uh, I know we got a few pretend ones, but anyway, he's a true prophet uh, and a teacher of the word, and and we have just so learned so much, you know, from him over the years, and. We had an opportunity to visit there a couple of times, and their meetings, camp meeting, and went to Bible college and different things. Because uh, he's gone to heaven some years ago now, but his teaching is still around. A lot of it is actually freely available online. Just you know, they're just putting it out there. And uh, <coughs> he used to get these visitations from the Lord. Jesus would visit him and begin to talk to him and teach him. Because God had commissioned the man. He says to, says to Brother Hagen, God says, go and teach my people faith. And that's what he's done for over a ministry span of some 60, 65 years. When he started as a young man, he always kept true to his commission. Go and teach my people faith. And then Jesus will come and teach him. And then he will teach the people. And one day the Lord was saying to him, don't pray about money like you have been. Whatever you need, just claim it. In Jesus' name. And then tell Satan to take his hands off your money and command the ministering spirits to cause it to come. Now, of course, we've got the gainsayers. I know what they're saying. Oh, they're saying, oh, you guys, you're the name it and claim it bunch. We say, well, yes, yes. Guilty as charged. And I tell you, it's working very well quite unembarrassed. You see, gainsayers, they speak out of their own ignorance rather than being open-minded. Like I, uh, from where I came from, where I was brought up in that religious setting, I had to be open-minded because otherwise, like, oh, you know, this is not what we've heard. This is not how we do things here. It's like, God, speak to me. They used to tell us. These are all wise sayings. You know, these, these are all wise, wise sayings. They said, look, if you hear something that doesn't quite fit into your theology right now. I mean, if it's outright not right, you just reject it. But if it doesn't quite fit and you don't quite know what to do, put it on the shelf, whatever that shelf is. It might fit in two weeks' time. It might fit in two months' time. But don't reject it outright. Um... uh, if it doesn't quite fit because in our journey from where we have been and where God wants us to be is there's, there's people that have been brought up since children uh, in, in these truths and you know, for them they don't need to do a lot of unlearning but many of us had to do a lot of unlearning it's been said that it's easier to disciple a man off the street that has no religious background than what it is to take somebody from a religious setting to get a lot of that chunk out of their mind and out of their heart is everybody right this morning? Okay, so he says, just, just don't pray about money anymore. Just claim it. And he tells the story how he travelled around, uh, preaching the gospel. He was a travelling minister, left his family at home and travelled around. Uh, and he lived off of offerings. So he would go and preach what they call a revival, preach for six, five, six days, somewhere, sometimes two weeks, and so forth. And then, you know, they would receive an offering for him and send him on his way, so he was able to travel to the next place. And, and, you know, the offerings that sometimes he would receive, very common, uh, at that time would have been around, say, $50, but he wasn't able to live off of $50 a week because he had to buy petrol to get himself to the next place. He had to send some money home so that his wife was able to buy groceries, you know, for the kids. And, and, and he says 50 is not enough he says he needed 200 dollars week by week in order to get by now that was back in the 50s and, and, and the Lord said to him don't, don't pray about this money just claim it so uh so he says to the minister uh, in the church that he was on at that particular time, he says to him, look, he says, when you receive the offering for me, he says, you don't need to go on about it and sort of, you know, really try to, you know, to pull in a lot of money. He says, just, just have you received an offering pr- for Brother Hagen? He's ministered to us here. And, uh, and then, you know, give it to him so he can get to the next place. Uh, and he says to the minister there, he says, uh, says I'm believing God for $200. And the minister said, that's never happened before. He says, $50 is the norm. And if it's really good, we might get, might get up to 80. We might have even hit 100 once. But he says, 200 is out of the question. God says, just get up and you know, receive the offering when you do, but don't labor don't labor the point. And then $214 came in. The, the local resident pastor was blown away, in, in and Hagen said, yep, yeah, that's what I've believed God for. That's what I've claimed. All right, so, so these are stories there that help us um, to, this is God's wisdom for daily living. Whether you're in business, Whether you are employed or 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 whether you are whatever your current setting is, your economic status. Believe God for more. And finally, the last point: speak to your harvest and call it in. This is probably one of the biggest things that I had to get my head around. Say, how can you speak to your harvest? How can you, you know, speak to money? But here's what Jesus said, Luke seventeen verse six. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree. Be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. And it would obey you. If you have faith as a must, it would obey you. You see, your money will obey you. And your money does obey you. But if you keep on saying, oh, we can't afford anything, we can't do this, we haven't got the money for that, your money obeys you. It's just not there. All right, but you shift into a language of faith, and suddenly things are possible. You know, as I said, from what was not really possible uh, in our Bible college days for this and I with four kids, you know, they put food on the table. I was the, I was the only one earning money. She was a stay-at-home mom because we have decided that that was a value that we wanted to, 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 to abide by and everything else. You know, things were a bit tight, but we never, missed, we never missed the tide, never. And we always gave offerings over and above. We put seed out there. Because that's what God wants us to live. He wants us to live in faith territory. He don't, doesn't just want us to deal with facts. Just a quick story. For, and uh, uh, Vanessa's sister, sort of uh, supposedly really good with with finances, and did quite well. Uh, you know, her and her husband. She, she said, "Oh, you know, Vanessa, says, oh, can you help me with my budget? You know, putting the budget together a bit." And she sort of looked over it and money that we earn and our outgoings, and she says, "You can't live." You haven't got enough money. Well, that's interesting. We're living month by month. Well, you haven't got enough money. Well, it means that more money has to come in beyond our income. More money has to come in, and it will come in. Because we live by faith. And uh, when I say not by faith, it doesn't mean that we expect other people to pay pay our bills. But we believe that by the time the bills are due that we were able to pay our bills. We were, we were amongst the few people that paid our Bible college fees on time because we knew when the Bible college teachers got up and said, all right, everybody, you know, this is a Bible college and there are fees to be paid. You all need to pay your fees. And we had you paid. <laughs> and uh, so, as I say, we, we just we, we started to command our money. And when you speak to your money, you, you call your harvest in. You say, we call it in in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for the angels of God that are out there that are bringing it to us. For you that are in business, you call in contracts. If things slow down a little bit, thank you, Lord. Uh, I call in another couple of contracts. Uh, uh, God wants me to to prosper. There there needs to be more customers. There needs to be more clients. There needs to be more sales. We call it in in Jesus' name. And you do that quite unashamed and not embarrassed one little bit because now you know who you are. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You're not a beggar. You're a son of the most high God. We used to say we are the king's kids. (laughs) Hallelujah. That prayer of faith, um, we had one a couple of weeks ago. I modified it slightly just to incorporate some of this uh, thinking here and it's not so much a formula that you have to use just the right words but it it should contain those main components and one of those was a big one Kenneth Higgins Kenneth Copeland said if you bind the devil and command him to release your money and you send out the angels of God he says get ready for a flood he says get ready for a flood things will really begin to happen if you take charge and you you speak with authority and uh you know, you call in your promotion. You call in your, 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 your business uh, clientele, and, uh, and, 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 and you call in your harvest. Uh, Heavenly Father, it says here, I'll just read it out to you. I just want you to listen to it, and you pray it in your own time for your own self. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you multiply the financial seeds that I have sown and make them grow into a continual rich harvest in my life. I release my faith now and receive abundant harvests for the seeds that I've sown. I thank you, Lord, that you supply all my needs according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And Satan, I bind you and your forces now and render you powerless, useless, and ineffective. In Jesus' name, I command you to let go of my finances, and I commission the angels of God now to go forth and bring my financial harvest to me. I declare... That all the money that is rightfully mine comes to me now, by God's divine grace and favour, in Jesus' name, Amen. Thanks for watching Victory Christian Centre. For more content, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, or you can subscribe to our podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Podcasts. Check out our website at victory.net.nz. We'll see you again soon.